Welcome to the Beyond Macros podcast, a show where we teach you about nutrition and the art of working in so you can get the most out of working out. In today's show, I spoke with Mark England about the power of language. This is the definition of how inner work can improve your life and your performance. Through his company, Procabulary, Mark and his team give athletes and professionals the tools to translate their stories in inner conversations to give them the power to overcome obstacles and perform their best. In my personal and professional opinion, identity and how we use language to create it is the master conversation in personal and professional development, period. For some people, on the surface, this discussion may seem esoteric and woo-woo. Language? Really? How much can that help compared to changing my nutrition or training program? The answer? Language has magic powers over us. Abracadabra is Aramaic, which is an ancient language. And it translates to, with my word I create, or with my word I influence. What do we influence? I already said it. We influence our imagination and what we envision. We influence our emotional status. We influence how we move our body and we influence how we breathe. And over time, we architect, we script, we, we, we create our identity. You might be thinking, abracadabra, really? What kind of new age nonsense are you trying to teach me here, Matt? But bear with me. It gets better. The definition of a spell, this is Webster's, a word or a combination of words of great influence. Okay, abracadabra, spells, what kind of Harry Potter BS are you going to try to feed us next, Matt? And let's throw magic in there for shits and giggles. The definition of magic is the ability to apparently alter the course of events using supernatural forces. It's not the ability to do it, it's the apparent ability to do it. Let's say somebody walks into the gym and sees you snatching 245 and they don't, they've never even lifted weights. And they go over and they tug on that bar. They're going to think that you're doing magic. And before I lose all of my analytical minds, here is where we bring the magic talk back to the ground. One man's magic is another man's technology. Supernatural is a null word. Robert N. Heinlein. When someone can get up and, and they make things look easy and then I go and do it and I look like a total buffoon, I'm like, Dude, how'd you do that? He's got the technique or she's got the technique. Okay? They know the technology. It's technology. Look at the word. Technical knowledge. And then I'm in the dark, so I, what, do I, what do I just fall back into? Oh, that's, that's, that's supernatural. It's magic. No, it's not. There's no such thing as, there's no such thing as real magic because everything in the universe follows follows mechanism, a mechanistic order. The more we, same thing with language. The more I understand about that, the more consideration that I give to the power and the process of words, guess what? My skill goes up. Guess what? I have better conversations with who? First and foremost, myself and then other people. And then guess what? My, it's known as my life improves. Now that we've had some fun and come back to the ground, let's talk about the language process. The difference between the definition of identity and the reality of identity. The definition of identity is the fact of being who or what a person is. We are not facts. We're not nouns. 
we're verbs. We're a process. We're an ongoing process. And our identity is flexible. And guess what the, 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 the crux of the issue is? It's in our language. The problem and the solution reside in our language. The problem is that the very sentences that shape our stories and our identity are often prison sentences, causing persistent conflict and a feeling of being static and lacking the personal power to change. Take it from, from prison sentences just to regular sentences. <laughs> so the usual suspects of language when people are scripting conflict, stress-inducing stories for themselves. Yes, traumas happen. It's, it, it's, a, it's a part of life. And it's the repetition of the problem story that's the real villain. Something could happen to me 20 years ago. And if I replay that thing 641 times in my mind and, and lock myself up in a stress response over a 10-year period, what's the problem and what's the solution? The thing that happened or my repetition of the interpretation of what happened? Those are two very different things. Mark has identified three pillars of language that are problematic and cause persistent conflict in our lives. These are the pillars of what he calls conflict language. And an awareness of each pillar allows you to shift towards architect language. Architect language is the language that helps you continuously improve yourself for yourself and the others around you. The three pillars of conflict language are, in no particular order, soft talk, negations, and projections. Soft talk. Well, I have, it's almost like I've got a drinking problem. Or, you know, I think I really should spend more time with the kids. I mean, I probably. Or maybe one day I'll re-enroll in school because I think that would be good for my career. 95% of the time when people use and hear the key words, likes, guesses, maybes, I thinks, it's almost likes, some days. One day, perhaps, if you're British, it creates tremendous amounts of indecision and disconnection from what we're talking about. It fucks with our identity too from syntax. Syntax is how the language is, how the words are constructed. So when I say, I think I might need to, how many I's are in that sentence? I think I might need to. Who's talking about who? Why do I need an extra I in there? It takes part of me and puts it outside of me. It definitely, absolutely decreases people's personal power and their ability to act. And in that lies indecision. The next pillar of conflict language that needs to be addressed is negations. What do negations sound like? I don't want to spend all my money, Matt. We can't keep living like this. I don't have time to cook. I don't want to go out to the party and eat all of that junk food and blow my diet. I'm not going to go into the gym and overtrain again like I did last week. It paints the worst case scenario pictures of what we want to avoid. And I'm all about knowing what I don't want to do. And guess what? All I have to do is get clear about it once or twice for me to know that's what I don't want. Okay. 
So now that I know where I don't want to go, where do I want to go? The first thing my driving teacher taught me said when I got in the car, I was 15 years old and and eight months. He said, look where you want to go because you're probably going to go there. Right. Negations. It's it's like staring in the rearview mirror. And the third pillar, projections, are often the hardest pill to swallow. They are the stories we tell where we make it seem as if someone else is in the driver's seat of our life and they are the ones making us feel or act in a certain way. Projections. She is keeping me from really living my life. You don't ever really listen to me. My mother tries to control me all the time. My father, he won't let himself see me as an adult. Take out the villains and put in I, and it will strike a chord. Projections are the hardest. They're the hardest to stomach, and they're also, they're also so liberating. Because we let go of our attachments to people, our fantastical make-believe attachments that you know she is somehow got me so controlled that I have no way to 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 break loose. When in reality, I'm talking my I keep myself exactly where I am with my words. He made me think we needed to get married. That's a re- uh, everything I've said has been real statements that people have said, clients, he made me think we needed to get married. Okay, cool. How did he do it? Well, you know, he was very convincing. Okay, cool. Who was convinced? Uh, huh? Yeah, who got convinced? Of what? Of you two needing to be married? Well, he was. Okay, cool. So he married you against your will? Well, no. So who was convinced? Well, him. Yeah. And you, right? Did you say yes? Yes. I said yes. So at the end of the day, who made you think that you needed to get married? Him or you? It all, it comes back to us because guess what? I'm thinking my thoughts. I'm responsible for the thoughts that I believe to be true. At the end of the day, I am responsible for the feelings and emotions that I create from the thoughts that I choose to believe consciously or unconsciously. I'm also I'm also responsible for the where I put my body. I'm sitting on a couch right now, looking out over the some some the, the grass. I'm outside. I'm responsible for sitting myself here. And if I'm not, then I'm really fucked. Because then I am I'm a slave to someone else. Now that we've established what the three pillars of conflict language are, soft talk, negations, and projections. Mark tells us that the first step in translating them into more productive language is to start becoming aware of this language when it's used and when you use it. The first exercise is simple. Slow down when you speak because it becomes easier to observe your thought process. You can also start to observe the words you use when you are stressed or you are breathing into your chest or you're even a little bit indecisive. He also gives us an exercise for observing projections and negations when other people are using them. When you can be a third-party neutral bystander to an argument, listen to what those people say. And to the best of your ability, stay out of the story, also known as believing or taking sides, and listen to the words. 
there will be projections in there. You always do this. Is you never let me really do that. You're such and such and such and such. But you listen out for those projection keywords because they're there because they have to be. They have to be there, which is another wild part of the conversation. And then for negations, go hang out with the person that you know that worries the most. Fuck it. Call them up for, for 20 minutes of fun and talk to them and listen. Listen for the negations. They have to be there what they don't want to have happen and what they're so not interested in seeing anymore and what can't keep going on in the world and in their life. Along those same lines, I think that observing the most indecisive person you know or an indecisive character on TV or in a movie is a phenomenal way to start recognizing soft talk patterns. Once you've observed these patterns and become aware of the ways you use soft talk, negations, and projections in your life and your stories, it's time to translate them. Mark has a course that I've actually completed twice called Core Language Upgrade on his website, Procabulary.org. And that's definitely the best way to learn more about how to self-diagnose your use of conflict language and how to translate those stories to be more productive and to put the power back in your hands. But I don't want to just leave you there recommending Mark's course. Mark and I worked through some common stories I hear from clients as a nutrition coach and how he would work through translating those stories to help the client overcome their struggles with eating. We talk about stories around yo-yo dieting and accountability, as well as stories around eating out around friends and family. First, we translated the yo-yo dieter's story. Whenever I talk to people who are considering signing up with Beyond Macros, a big thing that I hear from the yo-yo dieters is I always do great when I have someone to be accountable to. And then when I'm left on my own, I self-sabotage. It's binary, binary language. I always self-sabotage or I self-sabotage. Do you do that all the time? Every single time, as in every single meal. And what would they likely respond to that? No. So more accurate, again, in vocabulary, we are not the right and wrong people. Not right and wrong, not good and bad. We're input-output, accuracy and inaccuracy. So a more accurate statement about your behavior is that you sometimes self-sabotage. To that, they would say what? And then they would say, yes, that would be accurate. I, you know, They would probably say, I tend to binge. So there are those moments that they self-sabotage. Okay, great. Now, I want to know how they would use their language to describe their successes. Okay, so when you do stay true to your diet or stay faithful, true and faithful, those are also strong words. When you stay on your diet, what, does, what do you do? How are you thinking? What are you focusing on? Oh, well, you know, I just keep the picture of me in that bikini. That's what, I, that's what I'm looking at. So find out what makes them click and have them write out a little paragraph about it. Three or four sentences. Yeah. Somebody, somebody, because guess what? It's rep, word of the century, repetition. If I want a certain behavior out of myself, I repeat things. Okay. I repeatedly think about the end result or the why. And a lot of times people will inaccurately damn themselves to always doing something when they're only sometimes doing it. And if they're only sometimes breaking 
the 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 off of their diet, then other times they're staying on their diet. Okay. So have remind themselves that what, what does that, what does that do? Yes. It refocuses the mind on what the end goal is. And it also reminds them that, Oh, wait a minute. I do actually kind of have a degree of, of willpower. Okay. Now take out the word actually, because that implies surprise. I kind of have some willpower. Okay. Kind of. Or you do have some. Doesn't matter if it's a lot or a little. Either you have some or you don't. There's no kind of there unless it's accidentally put there. It's a very inaccurate word for that statement. Let's take out the kind of. I have some willpower. That's all they need. So they get into that, oh, they got the little bikini model devil on or angel on their shoulder, and then the then the then the fat boy couch potato on the other one. And so they have that thought. They use that thought. I have, I, I have some willpower. Yes, I have some willpower. Then guess what? It's very easy for them to do. To actually flex that willpower. Yes. And put what they want in their mouth as opposed to, you know, I don't want to eat so much ice cream all the time, Matt. Why do I keep doing this? <laughs> Next, we went down the path of discussing the story people tell about their struggles with eating in social situations. The story is, I don't have willpower around my friends and family. And here is Mark's translation. If I was coaching that person, I would look at the word don't and ask them, could you? Because don't, that's a, that's, a, that's a prison sentence. You're screwed. You just don't have it. Never going to be there. Could you? Could you have willpower? And they're either going to say one of two things. If they say no... I'd still ask a couple more questions to get them really in touch with that level of commitment to the idea of them being absolutely powerless. Most people are going to say, yeah, I, I guess I could. Okay. You guess you could. Yeah. Yeah. You guess you could. Or yes, I could. So take the yeah, turn it into a yes, a strong affirmation and take out the guess because there's no guessing about the fact that you could have it. Yes, I could have willpower when I'm around my family. Great. There's there's something in the language game called believability factor. And some people need to familiarize themselves with could. Yes, I could do that. They'll deliberate on that. Digest that idea. Have it become reality for them that yes, they could. And then the next step for them is can. I can. Yes, actually. Wait a minute. Yeah, I can. Then that will become normal for them. Then you're flirting with will. Or know how. I know how to have willpower around my family. Okay, cool, great. Is that true? Or could you know how? Yeah, now you're in the process. Get them from the space of wonderment about what they can do to a place where now the, the next step is process of how to go about doing it. Oh, well, you know, I, I'll bring my own sweet potatoes and, and, and bison steak, whatever they want. Okay, cool. Great. Do that three times. Your goal, make it easy. Your goal is to eat three meals with your family on your terms. Boom. Love that projection. They make you feel bad. Cool. Who's, who's thinking your thoughts? Who's feeling your feelings? Me. Okay, cool. How are they doing it? Well, they kind of you know laugh. Guess what? They're going to laugh at you anyway. So what? They make me feel insecure. No, no. No, take out the they, put in I. I make me feel, yes, 
yes, this is great news. It was the best of news. It was the worst of news. Okay. And guess what? Some people are just going to lean, lean right into that and say, good, 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 good. I'm glad I'm doing it to me instead of them because I've been really bashing them in my mind about the whole thing. I can, I can, I can adjust my thought process a million times easier than getting that other person to think the way that I want them to think. As I mentioned, Mark's company, Precabulary, has an online course called The Core Language Upgrade on their website. I have done this course twice now and can speak from experience when I say it's helped me take responsibility for my thoughts and actions as I've translated projections. It's made me more decisive as I've stomped out soft talk, and it's helped me get clear about what I want as I've translated my negations. Although those might not be sexy benefits, like it gave me a six-pack, the change in mindset that upgrading my language has fostered has not only made me a better and more consistent athlete and coach, it's made me enjoy my life more because I know I have the magic power to construct my life using the technology of language. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Beyond Macros podcast. It was a little different, wasn't it? But awesome. To learn more about Mark and his work, you should check out vocabulary.org. I'm also a huge fan of their Instagram and Facebook accounts, which are just both at vocabulary, because they will post quotes rife with conflict language and provide a helpful translation. You can find all of this and more in the show notes at beyondmacros.com slash nine. That's the number nine. This week, I want to give a shout out really quickly to one of our five-star reviewers on iTunes. Thanks to DJ Reem for the words. He said, huge fan of Beyond Macros and the content they provide. Informative on health and nutrition. That's all. That's all he said. I bet it took him under two minutes to leave that note. And we appreciate it like it took you an hour, DJ Reem. Next week, I interviewed Dr. Kirk Parsley about arguably the most important pillar of health. It's also probably one of the most important things to consider if you want to improve your performance and body composition. That pillar is, drumroll, sleep. Doc Parsley is the subject matter expert on sleep in the fitness world. And for good reason, as you will learn. The man knows his stuff. And I can't wait for you to hear this episode. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts so you can get that show delivered next week. And I look forward to seeing you then.